You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. All right, let's get this thing started. Hey, Phil? Phil? Where the f*** are you? You know we have a show to record. You have reached the voicemail of Philip, Alice, and Padilla. I knew it. Currently, I am in the mountains doing man stuff. If you'd like to reach me, please don't. I don't want to hear from you. I'll just send him a text. No, not even a text. He can't tell me what to do. I am telling you what to do. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't email me. Just leave me alone. He doesn't mean me. We have a show to do. And if this is Cam, this especially applies to you. I don't want to think about politics or murder or anything like that for a few days. Just leave me alone. Give me some time to rest and relax. All right, Chewbacca, is that fair enough? Oh, and you too, Ryan Brigette. You don't deserve to bother me on my wilderness retreat. Well, I guess I'm doing this thing by myself. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Make Liberty Great Again, all by myself. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me as always is, well, nope, just me. It is... Just me. <sighs> well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, can I help? Kim Shang? Holy <laughs> shit, have I gone back in time? Is this OG Make Liberty Great Again? Uh, nope. I just heard that Phil was off gallivanting with his genitals out and thought you might need some help. You know, I, I, I always knew you'd come back to me. Nah, shut up. I'm just here to pick up the chicks. I probably sh- should tell you now that there are no women that listen to this show. They knew now. Hello, ladies. So, so are you here for the whole episode? Nah, I've allotted enough time for uh, a single story. Well, all right. I mean, that. hey, that's better than doing this whole thing alone. What have you got for me? Well, Nevada looks like it is about to become the 15th state that's going to tell the Electoral College to screw off and utilize a popular vote instead. Wait, wait when, when you say the popular vote, do you mean the popular vote in the state of Nevada or the federal popular vote. The whole nation. For instance, let's say that the 2020 election is between Honk the Clown and Pepe the Frog. If Nevada overwhelmingly votes for Pepe, but Honk wins in California and New York, all those electoral college votes will be given to Honk instead of Pepe. Holy crap. I mean, I've heard about states giving up the electoral college, you know, more or less, but I had no idea that their electoral votes would be counted towards whoever had the most popular votes around the country. Man, these political turds are shooting for a direct democracy. Yep. And I live in Nevada. This would mean that any vote that I make, if it doesn't agree with California, New York, Ohio, or whatever, will be thrown in the garbage. Especially so if I voted the Libertarian candidate. Wow. I mean, you've definitely paid more attention to this than I have. And all the Republicans voted against this measure, which is not a surprise because the Electoral College does tend to lean in the favor of Republicans because of the rural states that vote Republican, which renders the popular vote almost useless. Well, I mean, the popular vote should be useless. Why would I, who live in, I live in Georgia, 
why would I want California calling the shots for me when I don't want anyone at all ever calling the shots for me? This, of course, means the popular vote favors the Democrats. Gross. To me, I feel like this idea is masquerading under the guise of we are following the will of the people, but if that were true, we wouldn't be electing electors just to cast the vote for whoever wins the popular vote. Well, yeah, but, but people are stubborn. They want what they want and want to feel like they have a choice. I mean, even if this really removes the choice from possibly a great majority of the people in Nevada. Uh, this is a threat to liberty. The, the more and more states that adopt giving the vote to the popular vote candidate, the less chance that the will of the people is followed. We wouldn't be voting by the will of the people because much larger states that tend to vote Democrat, like California and New York, will outweigh the small rural states. Yeah, like, like where I live. Exactly. What we know about states like that is that they are highly in favor of restricting our liberty and are jumping at the chance to launch us into progress. And I cannot think of anything more liberty encroaching than giving the large bulk of the votes to people who don't understand liberty nor care about it. It's literally an effort to make us more democratic when we don't live in a democracy. I mean, the idea of living in a democracy and my neighbor ruling over me is, is so antithetical to the way I think. Why would next door Dave, the guy who yells at me for walking past his house, why should he have any say in my life whatsoever? Hey, you know what else? It's also scary because we have a lot of uneducated voters that would be voting purely based on party line and emotion and not so much focus on liberty. It almost guarantees that we'll be hurt, hurtling more and more into socialism without being able to easily check the encroaching power. Our real issue is... The people be dumb, man. The people do be dumb. I don't think this bill really is for the people, though. I don't think much of what the government does is for the people. I mean, otherwise the cops would be obligated to protect those they serve. <laughs> and you know that ain't gonna happen. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, Kim. I really appreciate that. You know, I can't wait till we start up your new show. Uh, are we allowed to talk about that yet? <laughs> no. Sorry. Forget I said anything. Uh, I'm gonna go to sleep now. All right. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Alright, now we need to talk about some kids' stuff. David is calling me? Hello? What's up, Wait, what the f*** was that? Is that a motherfucking censor? Boy, I tell you what, if you're gonna start censoring my sh*** you better get your finger ready, maybe get you some icy hot and some ibuprofen, because that motherfucker's gonna hurt by the end of this episode, bro. No, for real, though. I mean, I, I do like having this free flow shit that I can cuss all I want to because it's part of my natural vernacular. You know what I'm saying? But I can't use no motherfucking beeper in my damn show. You know why I can't use no motherfucking beeper in my damn show? Because I don't have a motherfucking beeper. Because I do my show in my motherfucking car. Anyway, I hear your bitch of a boyfriend left for the weekend. He's not my boyfriend. Are you on one of your morning drives? Yeah, yeah. Husband, boyfriend, lover, whatever. And no, I'm just here to help you, man. Nope. Not not my husband either. Whatever, dude. Um, but all right. Um, I was just about to talk about... Some gay sh**. Well, yeah. Actually, yes. I knew I was right. No. Not, not that. The state is now using kids' shows to push their narrative. Yeah, I heard that Mr. Ratburn from Arthur is a f***ing fairy now. I mean, I wasn't going to call him that, but all right. Uh, yes, Mr. Ratburn, the uh, teacher from the PBS show Arthur, apparently came out as gay and had a gay wedding on the most recent episode of Arthur. Recent episode? I mean, 
I didn't really watch that show because that was a little bit after my time, but that's pretty old. It's still on? Yep. It's uh, been on for 22 seasons now. Yeah, you know what? That surprised me as well. <laughs> hey, Cam, how do you milk a aardvark out of 22 years of <laughs> content? Very carefully. Uh, I'd use gloves. Ain't that the damn truth. But let me tell you what I think. Personally, I don't see a problem with having same-sex wedding in a cartoon. I don't see it as indoctrinating kids or turning them gay or none of that stupid shit or pushing an agenda. I see it as being representative of our society. However, I do think it's kind of weird that, you know, it, you can't turn on any kind of single TV show nowadays without some, you know, gay couple or a gay dude or a gay chick or a trans chick or woman or whatever they want to be called. And it's supposed to be representative of our society, but it's representing a very small percentage of our society on a grand scheme. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense to you? That yeah. It's, it's representing a small percentage everywhere you see when they're supposed to be a minority in our society. You know, I don't think anyone's out there claiming that cartoons with gay weddings make kids gay. Well, I mean, I mean, at least not anymore. I also don't know if there's anyone big out there claiming that there should never be gay whatever in media anymore either. I mean, making gay wedding cartoons would fall under free speech. Anyone is more than welcome to make any cartoon they want to make. But I mean, in this instance, we aren't talking about Cartoon Network or Adult Swim or whatever other private entity making, you know, gay cartoons. We're talking about government and taxpayer-funded television made for children in order to educate. Arthur's one of those shows that's been teaching morality to kids for a while. I mean, Mr. Rogers did it before them, and I'm sure Daniel Tiger does it too. I mean, for decades, PBS programming was seen as more or less a safe channel where kids could learn some basic moral lessons, you know, that were more or less universal. When it comes to moral lessons created for the public by the government... I mean, whose morality should be taught when the lessons are paid for using taxpayer dollars? I don't think that'll affect children the, the way that some people say it will. But some kids, if they're small enough, won't even notice the whole message. And if a kid is old enough to see the question and question why, you know, two dudes are bumping uglies or two chicks are bumping uglies, then I think it's time for, the, for parents to have a talk with their kid. I think that's kind of the other side's point. Not that it'll make kids gay, but that if at a young enough age... These things are put into almost every cartoon, including on PBS, that the normalcy of it won't even necessitate a question from the child. It'll be regarded as normal television and normal life, and the question won't be asked. If there was a dreaded gay agenda, I mean, it was to see the normalization of homosexuality and same-sex relationships. They wanted to be seen as normal and not as the other. I mean, that's more than understandable. It's not really even that big of a talk you have to have. Pretty much, it just boils down to two people love each other, and they get married. Yeah, but not, not every person functions under the same understanding, assumptions, or moral foundation that you, or, or me, or even Phil do. For me, or for anyone else, it may not be that simple of a conversation. If everyone was in the same moral sphere and held to the same convictions, we wouldn't have liberty podcasts. I mean, we'd have liberty. And the oh-so-wise words of one of my most favorite spiritual healers out there, that's true. So what we're seeing here again is uh, the state picking winners and losers. It's decided on the moral stance for all of the United States and is using children's programming as a vehicle to share that morality, 
You might think that it has no effect or that it might even have a positive effect, but that doesn't make the state choosing sides a good thing. If the state's teaching, there's always an agenda. There's always an angle. I mean, they pretty regularly undermine parents. Do we really want them to be the arbiter of these things? Well, it's like I say, you know, if you don't want your kids being taught or indoctrinated by the damn government, don't don't let them watch TV that's made by the motherfucking government. Parents are the ones responsible for what their kids watch on TV. I agree. Those decisions are up to the parents. But that doesn't mean that we have to be happy that we're paying for these moral lessons to be produced. I'm not for having money stolen to be used to make any media anyway. Oh, that's definitely something that you and I can agree on. Motherfucking taxes. Parents also need to be the ones to answer the tough questions when their kids see something that they don't understand. I guess I really don't understand the big problem with it all because I have friends and family that are gay and my kids grew up around them and they never even really noticed it or asked any questions about it. And for some, that's exactly their issue with this. No questions means no discussion on a moral issue that many disagree on. Well, Alabama said, no. They sure did. They saw that episode coming and knew that it wouldn't play well in the state. I'm not sure how many people are up in arms about that, but I'm sure there are some. I can understand the argument from some parents that they want their kids to be exposed to that, and I also understand the parents that want to be able to have their education spaces free of government moral dictates. See, that, and that's something I, I, I've, I've noticed, is that when I was a kid, you know, I watched a lot of PBS. I grew up on PBS, especially during the summer times when, you know, my parents were at work. I watched a lot of TV. and But when I watched PBS and, of course, Nickelodeon, my shows were like Reading Rainbow and 321 Contact and, you know, Hey Dude and, you know, Mr. Wizard. And as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Wizard could kick Bill Nye's ass any motherfucking day. But it really wasn't that, didn't push this all inclusive agenda thing, unless you want to count that sometimes they had a black kid on the show. I mean, other than that, I, I didn't see no kind of anything that could be controversial. But it does seem that nowadays they're really, really trying to push some kind of, you know, either trying to make things morally understandable or morally acceptable or something like that. And I don't really understand it. So I guess the big question about it is, do we really need PBS anymore? No. I mean, it should be gotten rid of. And parents should be deciding on what they want to share with their children and the media that they think is appropriate for their children. Choosing media based on morality is something that should be done on the family level, not the state level, and definitely not on the federal level. I guess acting like a parent is the answer to this question, I think. <laughs> yep. Thanks for helping out, David. Thank you. I'm David. And I deserve to be here more than a Ryan because, well, him. No, but for real, man, thanks for having me on your show. And I'm more than happy to help out anytime you need some help, especially whenever that loser Phil decides he wants to freaking bail out on your ass. So, yeah, I'd be more than happy to step in. You know, it ain't that hard doing Phil's job after all. You know, he's just talking and shit. Love you, Fuzzy Bear. Aw. And that ain't no bullcorn. Peace out. Well, that was rude. Isn't that like your whole show? Being rude? Yeah. Eh, s sort of. I consider it more to be mean-spirited and insulting, rather than just rude. Well, Maddie and I are nice on voluntary vixens, or well, at least I pretend to be. So, I want to let loose a little and be a little mean-spirited and insulting. What have you got for me, Jesse? 
Well, what do most Americans and Kim Jong-un have in common? Bad haircuts? Yes, but they also agree that Joe Biden is an imbecile. Correct. He is an absolute dunce. He was called a fool of low IQ and an imbecile lacking human qualities by Pyongyang's state-controlled Korean Central News Agency on Tuesday. The Democratic People's News Agency of Best Korea. Yes, apparently this came in response to Biden's criticism of Trump's foreign policy, saying that the president is embracing dictators like Russian President Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. You know, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, say what you will about Trump and some of the dumb things that he says and does, uh, but I'll always applaud him for this use of diplomacy. Even though his use of diplomacy with two of the most dangerous men in the world is unorthodox, he is trying to find some peace between them and the U.S. If you factor in the closer we get and the less threatening we are, the more likely it is for Western culture to seep into the North Korean peninsula and lead the people to the conclusion that they've been both brainwashed and mistreated. And you know what happens when people figure that out. Well, that and there's just no way that Biden could ever grasp that. His whole thing is to go against Trump regardless of his stances. He's just trying to pick up stupid voters who haven't given Kim Jong-un a second thought. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when, when Trump is wrong or stupid, I'm more than willing to call him out on it and make a statement against what he's doing. But I mean, this blind anti-Trumpism that's pervading both the Democrats and the Republicans is just beyond tone deaf. And it betrays how little these people actually care about the people that have Kim Jong-un's boot on their throat. And also just not to mention how stupid it is to roll out discourse with rulers of other nations just because you don't like the way they rule. If you ever plan on being a leader of a nation like Biden does, it's in your best interest to keep that dialogue open. He kind of put his foot in his mouth already. You don't want to make foreign leaders already hate you before you even start your campaign for the presidency. I mean, that's diplomacy one-on-one. -on -one. Biden really is idiotic and creepy. <laughs> to be fair, Biden put his foot in his mouth before he even decided to run. As my mom used to say, we should buy that man some peppermint socks. <laughs> Side note, I think one of the dumbest things that a candidate can do is apologize. Hell, I can't even remember why, but Biden, Beto, and Pocahontas <laughs> haven't even hit debates yet, and they've already apologized for something. I mean, I could be wrong, but if I was a betting man, I would put money on the winner of the Democratic nomination being the person who stood their ground and didn't apologize for stupid things. I think that the mass views apologies as a sign of weakness today. It wasn't always like that because it used to be that admitting you were wrong was a sign of strength and that you had a willingness to learn. But I think that people pushing these leftist narratives, they know deep down that they are wrong and that their ideas suck. So if you apologize to them, they immediately lose respect for you. It's always a good idea just to stand up for the truth and for what is right. But those lines are getting blurred every day. But I think it's a good rule of thumb that it you save your apologies for the people closest to you. You don't owe apologies to randoms on Facebook or Twitter. If they get offended, that's their fault. If anything, I would just say, I'm sorry that your feelings got hurt. I think that's probably part of the appeal to Donald Trump. He hardly apologizes for anything. In fact, I don't remember a time that he has apologized. One of my favorite moments from Trump was when Jim Acosta came into the room and he was asking these belittling questions to try to make Donald Trump look like a racist. He was like, oh, so, you know, you do this. Uh, is this because of racism? And Donald Trump was like, 
get out, <laughs> out. It's my favorite thing about him. It's just like, you know, I'm not giving you the the moral high ground. You're not someone that I can talk to. Leave. Yeah. I love that. I agree. <laughs> Uh, since you want to be mean-spirited and insulting, I think we can have some fun with this. I'm going to name a candidate or a famous person that's political, and you can use whatever descriptor you you want. It's like word association. Here we go. Donald Trump. Megalomaniac. Elizabeth Warren. This is going to be a lot of words. She's like that one dumb friend that you have that just says really stupid stuff, but you don't want to hurt her feelings, so you just kind of pity smile and nod. <laughs> How about Robert Francis O'Rourke? Beta. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> How about Kamala Harris? She reminds me of one of those Skeksis from The Dark Crystal. And if you're an 80s kid, you'll get that reference. <laughs> okay, how about Tulsi Gabbard? I actually like her. I would just say she probably just needs to spend a little bit more time studying economics. I, I don't disagree with that. How about Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Goebbels' dumbest brother. <laughs> How about our girl, Alyssa Milano? The alcoholic mom who thinks guys still want to bang her? Also tacky. <laughs> How about Hillary Rodham Clinton? Well, for her, there's really just only one concise word that I can call her, but my mom listens to my podcast. So I'm just going to say that it starts with a C and it rhymes with blunt. Oh, a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that'll actually do it for us. Thanks for showing up for me, Jesse. No problem. Tell your husband I said hi when he gets back. <sighs> well, this episode has been packed to the gills with awesome people. Well, I'm alone again, though, so I guess it's time for some me time. On May 21st, the United Nations Human Rights Office called on the U.S. authorities to ensure that women have access to safe abortions. I'd go more into it, but the UN is an organization that tries to steal freedom, liberty, and sovereignty from the U.S. in the name of a list of human rights that they have decided is exhaustive and perfect. The UN can f*** off. Moving on. I think we should talk about... Sperm. Oh, hey, Maddie. Wait, did you say... Sperm. You heard me. I said sperm. Come on, let's talk about some spooge. All right. But why? Well, maybe because we don't tend to talk nasty or dirty on uh, voluntary vixens. I'd like Tom Woods' daughters to be able to listen to our show. Oh, that's nice. That's actually a pretty good rubric for deciding what is or isn't acceptable. I'll admit, I have this dream that one day one of his ten, okay, there's five, daughters will be a vixen fan. But while I'm on your show, I still want to talk about this frozen man seed. Let's, uh, let's do that. Also, you should call your fans Vixies. Just throwing that out there. Noted. Hmm. Anyway, this is a weird-ass story. No kidding. So, West Point cadet Peter Zoo, he had a skiing accident back in March. He was brain-dead for a while, and his parents filed a petition asking him to retrieve and freeze their son's sperm for possible use. What? When I saw the headline of this article, I didn't know that his sperm wasn't pre-frozen already. They actually had to get it out of him. What the f- I know. Talk about a Me Too moment regarding the retrieval process, whatever that entailed. What? Are they going to use a cattle prod? Too much? Too soon? I don't know. Well, anyway, this kid, I mean, 
He looks like a kid, but he's 21. So he's legally a grown adult. It isn't like his parents have as much say in his life or body as they would if he was 18 or under. The reporting doesn't indicate the presence of a wife or any mention of him and having a girlfriend with whom he was trying to create a family. They just have the impression that he was desiring to at some point. It's honestly kind of weird and totally, totally sad that the parents are doing this and almost using their son and his sperm to fill a tragic chasm that has come up in their life due to the death of their son. Right. I definitely understand wanting to have grandchildren and having a massive hole thrown into your future plans. Ah, oh, God, but this seems like a sci-fi movie that I wouldn't sit through. So they said he was dead, and they also said that he was in a vegetative state. Which is it? Are they keeping his body alive until they can remove his sperm, or is he actually dead now? Did they preemptively pull the sperm and then have the legal battle? I have tons of questions. I do too. If you aren't hurting people or taking their stuff, I'm not one to judge or to voice objections. But in the article, there is some talk about what the implications of this case are and where this might go in the future. This might be used in future cases where payouts and pensions come in. And you know how I feel about those. That's stealing from the public and the taxpayer, and I'm not for that. If this was something that he had discussed and planned for in writing for the future with his future wife, that would be one thing. But since he doesn't have a wife or even a girlfriend, it seems, it is a little bit different. Right. How does self-ownership work when you're dead or brain dead? Do his parents own him since he's brain dead? Does the state own him because he was an organ donor? There are a lot of issues around this that I find particularly unsavory. How would one even know that it was possible for someone to nab your sperm upon your death? How would anyone plan for that? I guess that's something you have to put in your will now? Please leave my sperm and eggs in my carcass? Okay, thanks. This is beyond strange to me. I guess my conclusion would be that you should be absolutely barred from using any part of anyone's body upon their death. I mean, outside of burials and funerals. I mean, unless there's some agreement beforehand. You mean, you want it to be voluntary? <laughs> I like voluntary. <laughs> I know. Hey, Maddie, thanks for showing up in this time of need. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I'm never gonna give you up, I'm never gonna let you Maddie, down. Maddie, you can stop singing, please. Never gonna turn around and desert you, Cam! All right, folks, uh, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Cam, I'm ready to record this episode. Let's get started. Get started? Dude, I'm done. The episode's over. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? I mean, you're late. I know we talked about you coming on, but... I've already finished. Yeah, but there was something I wanted to talk about. Well, I'm tired now. It's it's past midnight here. I, you know, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Hey, I'm Ryan Burgett, and I... Wait, why is that even... Why is that my tagline? That was just supposed to be a throwaway line. Easy, killer. I'm Ryan Burgett, and I'm here for you? That's better. Right. What is it that you want to talk about? I don't know. You went and distracted me. I guess we can talk about Phil. Or we could talk about the U.S. government threatening Syria over alleged chemical weapons use again. Dude, that's old news. I mean, yeah, at that point I didn't know you. But, you know, I was around in 2013 when Bashar al-Assad was accused by John Kerry of using chemical weapons outside of Damascus. Ron Paul and others called it a false flag, and the consensus later came that the attack was in fact carried out by the so-called rebels in an attempt to frame the Syrian government and draw the U.S. further into the conflict. Thankfully, the U.S. didn't lead a full-scale invasion at that time. Well, of course, that is old news. 
but I'm talking about newer than that. So wait, are you, are you talking about the allegations in 2017 or from last year when the rebels were trapped in the city of Duma when the war in Syria was almost over and then Assad allegedly, for no logical reason, decided to do a chlorine attack against them? Haha! <laughs> right, yeah. And of course, the only witnesses to that so-called attack were the White Helmets, a group working with the rebels. See, I agree with Putin on that one. It was staged. Assad had nothing to gain from doing that, and as Ron Paul pointed out the first time around, Assad isn't an idiot. Yet Trump still bombed Syria as punishment for that. Yeah, well, brilliant move there. But I'm talking about not a news story from 2013, not from 2018. This is from four days ago. The title reads, quote, U.S. warns Syria regime following allegations of chemical weapons use, end quote. So in this article, a U.S. State Department official is quoted as saying, quote, Unfortunately, we continue to see signs that the Assad regime may be renewing its use of chemical weapons, including an alleged chlorine attack in the northwest Syria on the morning of May 19th. But we repeat our warning that if the Assad regime uses chemical weapons, the United States and our allies will respond quickly and appropriately. End quote. Do they really expect us to believe that again? I mean, the war in Syria is over. I mean, Trump even announced that the U.S. troops will all be leaving. So now Assad, having won, he just decides, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Chemically attack my own citizens. It makes no sense to me. Or, you know, maybe the media and the U.S. government really do just think that we're that stupid that we would trust them as a cry wolf once again. There's proof that the Arabian invaders, you know, the so-called rebels who are not actually from Syria, but who are funded by the Saudis to invade Syria. Yeah, there's proof that they have used chemical weapons. And yet, every time the U.S. has alleged that Assad has used them, it's turned out to have been staged by the rebels. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all of that's political. I mean, the U.S. government just pulls this out every time they want an excuse to do something in Syria. Wait, you mean you actually think that the federal government would falsely accuse a country of using weapons of mass destruction in order to invade and or accomplish political goals there? Yeah, I must be crazy. That would never happen. Never. Also, the president would never make up a fake national emergency to sell arms to the Saudis right after this happens. No, sir. Huh. <sighs> Is there anything else you want to say about that, or um, are we good? Are you happy with your, with your, your segment, even though you were late? I'll survive. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Ryan. I mean, you were the last and certainly the least. All right, folks. Thank you for having a bit of fun with us and joining us on this adventure into the madness that is our world. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at ThisIsMLGA. If you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at ThisIsMLGA at gmail.com. Hit us up, subscribe, and make sure to rate us on iTunes. It helps us grow and it guarantees that we make more episodes. Don't forget to check out the MLGA network. We are a small and scrappy group of libertarians that share all of the best liberty podcasts on mlganetwork.com. Make sure to check that out. We'll have even more original shows coming your way very soon. I'd like to say a special thank you to Kim Sheng, David Derryberry of The Morning Drive with David, Jesse and Maddie from Voluntary Vixens, and Ryan Burgett of Techno Agorist fame. If it wasn't for the MLGA Network, this episode couldn't have happened. We're happy to be here, and we're happy you're with us. Stay sane.